0: Welcome to the Outdoor States Podcast. As an outdoor rec economy advocate myself in the state of Vermont, I've been having conversations with people around the country about this topic for the last several years, and and repeatedly I'm just blown away by how interesting these people are, how insightful they are, how passionate they are on this topic, so I decided to make a podcast. And today on Outdoor States, we have an interview with John Snyder, Senior Policy Advisor to Governor Jay Inslee in the state of Washington. Thanks so much for joining me. You know, I'm I'm very eager to talk with you about diversity and inclusion in the outdoor industry, about uh, Eastern Washington versus Western Washington, a bunch of other things. But the thing I really want to start with is that I found on your Wikipedia page that while you were in college, you directed the filming of a live Nirvana show uh, that is now in the permanent collection at the EMP Museum in Seattle. Is that, is that accurate? <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. I, I, I was really deeply into music when I was in college. And um, I, with my, my wife, uh, helped start a nonprofit rock club, art gallery, in Olympia. And one of the projects I ended up doing was um, working on a, a, a music video for Nirvana. Um, and shot some live footage for that. And if you get the Nirvana with the Lights Out box set, you can see the, the show. I, I, I filmed the first show that Dave Gold played with the band. What And, and for what video? Um, well, it was really kind of a, like a student project uh, gotcha. that was never really officially released. And the only kind of, there's only two ways you can see it. Like they, they've shown a couple of different versions of it at the EMP Museum, which is now MOPOP. Or there's um, a version of Love Buzz that's on that box set, the DVD that is, comes with
0: that uh, box set. That is that is like the best thing that I saw. I mean, since I started doing this podcast, which has not been very long, but that was definitely the best thing that I found um, was pretty awesome. A- anyway, I mean, <laughs> here's here's the segue, though, from like explaining about your, your your music history to explaining the value of outdoor recreation, you know, and I, you know, in in, you know, sort of seeing reading some of your clippings, a, a lot of that for the first couple of years on the job is, has been what you've been doing. But do you think are we are we at a point where we're past having to explain the value of outdoor recreation all the time?
1: No, <laughs> we're getting there. Um, the, I think the, you know, I, as you point out with my background, I'm not a, I'm not like a hundred percent like dyed and wool dirt bag from birth. Right. Like I have a whole wide variety of, of interests that have kind of led me to outdoor recreation and, um, my my direct path is really that I got into the magazine industry and went back to my hometown and wanted to start a magazine. And uh, outdoor recreation was just a niche that really wasn't being covered, and that's why I decided to to, to start an outdoor recreation magazine. Uh, and I think one of the reasons it wasn't covered is that and we're talking we're talking about oh this is like two thousand four now is that there wasn't a big understanding of the power and the economic might of the industry. It was it was kind of more routinely ignored um, in, in some ways compared to to other industries, even though we now know that the amount of economic impact and money that the industry generates is is much, much bigger than, than people realize. But still there's a lot of education that needs to be to, to go
0: on um, about about that and there's a lot more work to be done on it yeah for sure what is in terms of um, the state of Washington and you know outdoor recreation as it's discussed in a more formal setting what is what is what how does how does outdoor recreation look in Washington how would you define it in the state Well so,
1: Washington is just a really, it's kind of, it's, it's a bit unusual for a state. You can't, it can't, it can't be typified by any one pursuit. Right. Um, some states are known for skiing. Some states are known for boating. Um, we've kind of got just about everything here. If you don't like the outdoor environment you're in, you can go two hours and just about any direction and get something that looks like a mini Grand Canyon to the only North American, you know, rainforest in the lower 48, right? Right. And everything in between. So so for us, I think that variety is is the dominant theme.
0: I mean, it really is remarkable. I mean, the landscape there... From, you know, the, the deserts of eastern Washington to the rainforest on the peninsula to the San Juan Islands to, you know, the urban recreation opportunities in Seattle. I mean, it is it, it is remarkable. But you're a you're a eastern Washington guy, right? You, you grew up. You're, I don't know if you grew up in Spokane, but you certainly sort of began your profession. You did grow up there. Um, yeah. And then, you know, now moving over to the western Washington side. It kind of makes you puts you in a nice place where you can sort of you know speak both sides of that state. How how did you initially get looped into the outdoor recreation initiative in Washington?
1: So I was uh, a after I uh, started my outdoor recreation magazine, did that for about ten years, and then I realized that a lot of really important decisions about outdoor recreation were being made by elected officials. And sometimes good and oftentimes really bad, whether it was conservation, whether it was bicycle infrastructure, what have you. And so I ended up running for city council and beating the incumbent who had voted against the city's uh, sustainability plan and run, ran on a platform of kind of bike and pedestrian infrastructure, small business and, and sustainability, and won and, and was reelected. And this position came open in twenty fifteen. They were looking for somebody who had a mix of public and private experience, and that's how I I, I ended up applying and got cho- and was chosen for it.
0: That's great. And were you so? It's interesting. One of the things that um that that I first read about Washington was that two thousand fourteen. Uh, Blue Ribbon Task Force report on outdoor recreation. I think it was the Parks and Outdoor Recreation Task Force report, which was a pretty major undertaking as far as I was concerned. We're, th- that was the document that really recommended that an office be created or, or a position be created in the state of Washington. Do you were you aware of that when that was going on, or was that something that you know um, just that, that you became aware of later as you were applying to get into that spot?
1: I was just very vaguely aware of it. It, was, it wasn't was something that that I had participated in. And you're right, it was a big undertaking. And they looked at things kind of all over and had about a dozen different recommendations. And I think we've implemented uh, nine, 10 or 11 of those since that report was really?
0: released. I mean, that's amazing. And that, that was one of the questions I had. I mean, so this was a, you know, I forget It's like a forty or fifty-page document. It has these twelve major recommendations, and then it drills down on the details on each one. And, and And I did have a specific question: Was that the the blueprint for your your work at the state, and and how far did you get down that line? And and honestly, I thought you were going to say, you know, we've knocked off three or four, but to say that you you've done nine is is fairly remarkable. I mean, is 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 that the entire blueprint for your marching orders in the position, or is that just part of your role as a senior policy advisor?
1: That's been, that was the governor's Blue Ribbon Task Force, so it's been my, a guiding thematic document for me. And there's actually only, actually now, I, I'm certain there's only two that we haven't, major ones that we haven't done on that, one having to do with outdoor related education, which is something I'm still working on, and one having to do with the permanent advisory committee which i i think we're gonna we're gonna skip that one but my my guiding principle is also my boss uh i serve at the pleasure of the governor and so his priorities are my priorities i try to help him get what he achieve what he's looking to do in the outdoor recreation space but i mean you know for your listeners for somebody who's not is embedded in the government you know <laughs> somebody like i am they may be wondering Okay, wh- why are we spending money on all this stuff? You know, like, uh, I mean, there's there's t- times when we kind of study stuff to death on the government level, and it's it can be it can be a waste of time, <laughs> and then there it can be a, like a, a an opportunity to avoid decisions and not have to uh, step up to the plate on things. Right. Uh, but then there's other times where it can create this kind of unifying force to bring people together that. That aren't already kind of working with each other to create allies and open up communication and set a really good guiding document. And this report
0: was definitely that. Do you know? Do you know how that report, or I mean, obviously that was a, a commissioned by Governor Inslee, but was there a, a series of events or a, a certain? Um, a certain environmental or economic situation in the state that led to that happening?
1: Yeah. So it basically was the recession and this happened in a lot of states. The recession caused like wholesale cuts in state budgets across the country. And some of the easiest things to cut ended up being parks and recreation. So for example, our, state parks, have, and this was previous to the current governor, had gotten the biggest cut of any agency, like, you know, proportionally in the history of state government. And so a lot of folks in the outdoor rec community were, like, very alarmed by this. And as we started to move out of the recession, we're really plotting and strategizing for how we could forefront outdoor recreation and really... Give it a boost after kind of that that result from the recession.
0: Yeah, that's that's. I mean, it's you know, and it's interesting too. I mean, I think there were. I think you're right. I think it was something that was happening in a number of states. Uh, they had gone through the 2008 recession, um, and at the same point, you know, I, I I do feel like at least the outdoor industry had a couple success stories. You know, I was talking to um, Tom Evans in Utah the other day, and and the. The um, the Ogden reinvention um, was a lot longer ago than I remembered it. You know, I mean that was really in two thousand six, two thousand seven that that was happening. So people knew that there was an economic development angle to this, but it really I don't know. I, when I looked uh, when I read the Washington Blue Ribbon report, yes, there's an economic development angle, but it really seemed uh, there's a lot of stuff in there about uh, making the next generation, an outdoor generation. Um, uh, there's a lot of stuff in there about diversity and inclusion that I, I felt was potentially one of the stronger states in that regard. Would, would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in a way, I, my job is like, uh, <laughs> I'm not the advanced team for environmental awareness, right? If we don't get the next generation outdoors, and that just, that means everybody in the next generation, to experience public land and to recreate, um, in our state, we're going to be in a world of hurt. Why are those people going to care about conservation, climate change, or protecting the environment if they've never been out there experiencing it?
0: Yeah, and it's got to be interesting, too, from from where you're sitting. I mean, to be starting from, you know, this, uh, you know, as, you, as it happened in Washington, kind of starting from a post-recession, how do we reinvent our, our public spaces and a down economy to where Washington is now, where, I mean... I mean, I think Western Washington, particularly, is—I mean, can you get another business in up there? It's remarkable. I mean, it's just jamming. So, I think focusing on the next generation and how do we thoughtfully do that is really is really great work to be doing. So let's let's shift a little bit to how your office actually is structured and how it works. I mean, so you are um, your your title is Senior Policy Advisor to the Governor. There's a variety of other Senior Policy Advisors. Are you? Um, do you have a, a, a other people working with you, and how do you how do you interact with the government from your desk? So
1: I am an office of one, right? I'm one of the only policy advisor offices with no windows, so it kind of forces me to get outside <laughs> and right. uh, do outreach. Yeah, but I the way it works is the policy advisor is it's not like an office like some of the other states have they we our, our first job is to advise the governor on budget items and legislation related to our areas and that includes messaging with his priority and also for me kind of it includes kind of a department of commerce type function where i do outreach to companies and local governments and try to help them with, uh, with their opportunities and challenges and outdoor recreation. And it also means that I'm basically like all the policy advisors kind of on call, you know, 365 days a year. If the governor needs me for anything related to my area. And so that, that what's nice is like, there's so many times my area overlaps with like say water quality or tribal relations or transportation policy or veterans affairs. I can just walk across the hall and say, hey, I'm working on this thing, can you help me out? And I've got some really smart, experienced folks that I can directly collaborate with. Yeah. And I have a, I have a good ability to, to communicate with, with the governor, too, on his priorities, and that's that's really helpful.
0: Do you, and so, the, you know, do you, I mean, at this point, is there any indication? I mean, there's probably pros and cons to setting it up in any in any way. Do you feel like in the state of Washington that outdoor recreation will remain um, in this sort of policy advisor role or will it change or morph or adjust as time goes on?
1: I don't think it will change here. I think for, for our state, and it's different for every state, the policy advisor role is good because it's not embedded in any one agency. So I'm not assumed to have the perspective of, like, say, the Parks Department or the Natural Resources Department or the Fish and Wildlife Department.
0: Right.
1: Everybody knows I work for the governor. The governor the governor not only has to have the perspective of everyone who lives in the state, he also has to balance, you know, his priorities in certain areas versus his priorities in other areas. So that, that kind of helps me move around a bit easier. Uh, and that works good. For us here. Plus, the other thing about Washington is we already have a pretty robust kind of government infrastructure when it comes to outdoor recreation. We have a Recreation and Conservation Office which just handles grants hmm. for outdoor for outdoor related things. We are and we have a Department of Fish and Wildlife. We have a Department of Natural Resources that that handles uh, the majority of our public lands, and then we have a State Parks Department. And so, so there's less of a reason to add more. Full time positions or
0: infrastructure, and then maybe there would be in some other states. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. You had said that you know one of the one of the recommendations that came out of that Blue Ribbon Task Force was was the advisory panel or some sort of advisory committee, but but maybe that's not going to happen. Is there a a state of Washington Outdoor Business Alliance or, or any sort of group that um, that that feed that can feed you ideas or support in that way?
1: Yeah, there's what's called the Big Tent Coalition. And if you Google Big Tent Coalition, Washington, you'll show up. This is basically the group that helped advocate for the governor's um, Blue Ribbon Task Force and also helped advocate for my position. And it includes businesses and nonprofits um, and local governments kind of all working together in the outdoor recreation space. So we didn't really need to reinvent the wheel and so that's a that's a great organization i work very closely with the other thing that we formed just last year is we have an outdoor recreation caucus caucus in the legislature now so uh bipartisan caucus it's non-voting it's really kind of just informational where we get together uh, once a week in the morning uh, every every week that the the legislature is in session, and just talk over what bills are coming up related to outdoor recreation, get presentations from different groups having to do with different issues. It's just a kind of a bipartisan line of communication, and it stretches hunting, fishing, bicycling, climbing, motorized, non-motorized all together, right? So these groups who are sometimes you know maybe. Oppositional are actually all sitting at the table together, meeting with Republicans and Democrats to communicate.
0: Yeah, people are always looking for ways to cross the aisle. That sounds fantastic. How long has that caucus been in place?
1: So just started last year. So this is, this is our second
0: year. And is that, is that something is that a- for a caucus to form, is that something that a, a legislator has to sponsor? Or is that something that the, that the governor sets up? Or how, how does that work structurally?
1: So it's it, since it's not a voting caucus, it, it, it's just informational. It doesn't have to have uh, too many formal things about it. it some of the big tent folks, some of the Natural Resource Agency folks, and myself basically kind of work to organize it. And then it wouldn't have happened if we couldn't have found legislators that are willing to get up at seven a.m. every, you know, Wednesday, right, <laughs> and attend. Uh, but because we have some pretty strong interests here, um, we were able to to form it.
0: And do you, uh, in terms of how you're moving forward, and thank you for that information on the caucus, I wasn't aware of that. That's really interesting. Um, so you had this Blue Ribbon uh, report, developed 12 major things. You've you knocked down about nine. Um, where does it go now? Is there Are there new ideas that are coming in and where would they come in from to sort of create your your marching orders for the next three or four years
1: so i think the there's still you know one of the big areas of unfinished business is is expanding outdoor recreation education and outdoor experiences for kids which includes environmental education um so that's one of the big focuses i'll be continuing on in the next few years we have an awesome grant program called the no child Left inside grant program which is one of the very few programs that offers operating money instead of capital money uh-huh. so to, to to support a program not just build stuff and that's about 1.5 million every two years um it's kind of our it's kind of our incubator for good ideas about getting kids outdoors and we want to look to expand that and also look to expand that overlap between education and and outdoors for kids
0: you know i was at um i was fortunate enough to be able to go to the shift conference um in wyoming this fall which uh, you know a big part of it was a conversation about public health and public lands and you know a lot of conversations about you know um the first mile type programs you know getting kids outside for the first time getting Underserved communities outside for the first time, but and one of the the common hurdles that everybody shared was um, was not not having the obvious and clear data on the those initial things. And you know, one of the com- one of the comments I heard a couple of times was, "Do we have a data on the data that matters?" Um, which I thought really summed it up well. When you're looking at those education programs and you know, getting kids outside and communities outside, are are there Is there empirical data points that you're working with, or is it anecdotal, or how are are you able to sort of identify and explain to a a legislator or a policymaker that this is a good idea because of these numbers?
1: So there is a lack of data on really showing the benefits.
0: There's some really
1: good studies out there and some good examples, but we need lots more. So... You know, I tell people that when it comes to outdoor recreation policy, the key is to is to never run outdoor recreation alone as a policy item, right? We want to get kids outdoors because we want them to get natural resource jobs, which is an expanding area of employment. It includes everything from land management to environmental restoration to I don't know, being an industrial designer designer at a place like REI to build gear. Um, so and then there's also a connection between the, the environmental benefits and, and, uh, educating, you know, kids about, about earth science. So we, when we connect it to those other things, uh, public health is another one, we're going to have a much better chance of being convincing. There is some data out there, definitely need more, but I think there's, there's there's plenty to advance these ideas right now if you connect them to some of these other policy areas.
0: I, I completely agree. I was just hoping you had some gem and you already knew and you were, you, you were keeping it to yourself and I was going to blow the top off it. So. But um, <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's such a, it's, uh, you know, the deeper I get into this and a lot of other people, you know, the idea of outdoor recreation, not just being about the last mile users, you know, the top of the mountain and all that other stuff, but really being that first mile, you know, it is that's a huge opportunity with so many benefits, as you described, from environmental to public health to education, wellness, jobs. I mean, it's it's a it's almost too big. Um, Where and so finding those data points is really key. But another thing I wanted to ask you about, which is an, a, a kind of an interesting riddle, is sort of how how are you able to kind of balance the Eastern Washington, Western Washington. Needs. I mean, they're 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 really sort of I mean, I'm, I'm generalizing, but but really, you, I mean, Washington has a very, you know, dense and diversified urban core uh, and then a really sort of agricultural eastern part of the state. Um, you know, and in terms of this initiative, you know, I'm sure you're 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 trying to play that balancing act and really be equitable statewide. How are you know, what are what are some maybe some teaching points or, or thoughts you would have about how you balance that act?
1: So it's not a situation probably unique to Washington. Like I think a lot of states have these kind of like urban-rural divides, or or one part of the state is kind of typified by a lot of characteristics, and another part is different. I think when we one way we've done it is in the last year we've looked at some of our grant programs with a a, a little bit of an equity lens and trying to figure out how we um, make it easier for communities. Um, that are in higher need to compete. And one of the ways we look at that is in our match. So as you know, a lot of grant programs require like, you know, 25, 50% match. Our, our biggest one requires a 50% match. Well, we went and looked at how we could identify communities that were underserved, whether they were rural or urban. Because, right, like, you know, a kid that's living in, you know, um, you know, Tuckroa and in an indent, intensely urbanized area, who may be an immigrant, may be walled off from outdoor recreation the same way um, you know, a kid living in a rural farming community that's that doesn't have a lot of resources in. Sure. So we, we came up with a formula to to have both of those kind of situations taken under account and allow for grant match waivers or reductions. Uh, and we gotta continue to do that sort sort of thing. I think what we what we've tried really hard to do on funding at the state is pull a lot of the political politics out of it and have our grant programs be very uh, very objective, very scoring based, and not advantaging one part of the state or the other. I, I find though that Sometimes in, in Eastern Washington, people aren't aware of these programs, or they are just assume they're going to be too hard to try to get the money. So what I got to do is I got to go on the road and I meet with very small communities all over the place and try to open up those lines of communication, help them brainstorm, and help them, uh, you know,
0: get the resources they need. In terms of you know, you, you talked a little bit about it about how you know you're a couple of times about how one of your big big opportunities and big goals moving forward is, is the educational component. And, you know, one, I don't know if it was about, you know, one of the blue ribbon recommendations was a, a K through 12 outdoor recreation curriculum, um, which is an idea I've heard in other states and I, I think is a fantastic idea. And I'm just wondering, you know, how have you started down that path? And, and what, are, what are the first steps that need to happen to, to start to get something like that up and rolling?
1: So that's a really hard one. So we are we are a typical kind of libertarian western state where our education system is very decentralized. We have 300 school districts spread across 39 counties and while there are some there's a, there's a certain amount of mandates that they have from the state to to use state funding, we also have a very cherished principle that local Education decisions are best done on a local level. So we have what, we, what are called next generation science standards, and we have a, a group, an outside group called the uh, Pacific Education Institute that does a program called Field STEM that have that are have been really helpful in this regard. But it's almost impossible in Washington state to, to say, okay, right now. Uh, it's gonna be a graduation requirement that everybody goes on a rock climb right? Know? right like, we just don't have that kind of top-down system here so we we almost have to like create programs and infrastructure but also like a value where where Washington Washingtonians just think it's a uh, an indispensable experience for the kids to, to get get outdoor education and and, and that will fuel the desire to make it happen
0: yeah yeah let's get them asking for it (laughs) that's really the key yeah um and part of that is being context sensitive like i
1: maybe in 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 seattle you know it means taking kids on their first mountain bike ride but like in colville it may mean teaching them how to fish for trout or 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 go hunting for the first time or vice vice versa
0: yeah exactly you know
1: prescriptive
0: no that's that's a super good point i mean Washington is remarkably geographically diverse and um, it gives you you know almost too many options for some of that stuff you've also mentioned a couple times about the nonpartisan nature of the caucus and 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 you know how the grant program has really been I don't know what you said departisanized or something like that a lot of sort of one of the common things and I don't know if it's a maximum or a, or a trope or what it is it but it that that outdoor recreation is a nonpartisan initiative. For somebody like you, who's been in been in this role for a few years and a, and a major player, um, is that bearing out that, that the outdoor recreation initiative is is a nonpartisan um, place to be?
1: Yeah, it, it 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 absolutely is. But it's funny, like every a- aspect of American life right now. There's always forces that will try to pull it into more of a partisan direction, and I think the trick is to kind of resist that if, if possible, and and not kind of use outdoor recreation as as you know kind of a, a partisan hammer. Um, I you know I go to some rural counties and there there's these weird splits and and, and sometimes there's user conflicts between dis- dis- disciplines. Um, and then I go to the other ones, and it's just like "Kumbaya." Everybody's all singing from the same page. So it, there's no—I guess there is the important point is there's no reason that it needs to be you know, partisan. There's 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 really clear support on both sides of of the aisle for for outdoor recreation. Now, maybe different kinds, but most of these, most of, most all of our recreation depends on a strong environment and, and a strong support for the lands that are accessible by, by everyone. And when you can find those things that are common, you just got to hold on to them tight and, 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 and do a lot to, to keep those coalitions together.
0: Do you add that, that's, that was really well said. I love everything you said there. Do you, do you have much contact with the congressional delegation from Washington? Are they looking to you and the governor for ideas in this direction at all? <laughs>
1: <So> I do, <laughs> but there's a situation at the federal level. I've been here for three, almost three years. It's so kind of not usual that um, it's really <laughs> – I hesitate to characterize it. Like we – I'll give you one example. Like last summer, when there was a the threat on national uh, we put together an ad hoc work group of this, this senatorial, congressional and, and, and House of representatives, staff members and myself and outside user groups to come to the defense of the Hanford breach, which was on Secretary Zinke's kind of potential for reevaluation list. Right. And so we just we were just kind of a policy spot. Trying to coordinate and talk to folks and, and defend that thing, which was an enormous waste of all of our time. <laughs> right. Should have never been done, but it shows how you know you know when there's something like that that's important. We can all collaborate.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting. I, that's a uh, that makes perfect sense. I'm sorry to put you on the spot there a little bit, but uh, that's that's great. What what about here's a here's a question I've asked a couple of people too. Is you know you are obviously very committed to what's going on in the state of Washington, but you're also really helpful in terms of showing up when, you know, uh, the, you know, for the confluence or other groups of outdoor recreation directors who have veteran experience in this direction. What, how does being a part of the national conversation about the outdoor recreation economy help, help you achieve your goals in Washington? Well,
1: I, what I told you about things being you need to make something a Washington value in order to kind of make it intrinsic. I mean, you can pass all the laws you want and you can you can change all the budget items you want. But things you can't change are, are, are things that are people's values. So if that's true for Washington State, it sure as heck is true on a national level. Values, outdoor recreation, uh, a value nationwide which I believe it already is, but to to really, you know, centralize it and and, and elevate it, it's important that we all collaborate as states. Yeah, and it's. What I have no illusions about how smart I am, Drew. I I, there, I never saw a good policy idea. I didn't want to steal from another state, <laughs> and I hope they look at our
0: state the same way. Yeah, exactly, you know, and part of it is the I think is too is establishing a vocabulary in this area because I, I think um, a lot of times you you talk to people about outdoor recreation and if you're not really specific about what you're talking about their brain could go a million different places they they could be totally into it or totally against it um, based on based on nothing other than where their brain just happens to go for that moment and I, I think you're a you're an excellent and well-spoken advocate for the whole thing I, I appreciate all your time what do you um. What do you think? I mean, obviously you've said that education and, and getting kids involved in Washington state is is um, is a big opportunity for you. Is there is there another big opportunity in Washington that is really, um, you know, going to be going to be major when it lands? I think it's
1: connecting outdoor recreation policy to climate change policy and. Um, You know, California passed a bond measure in June where they mixed some bond money for water projects to state parks and local parks money, and it passed, like, overwhelmingly. They tried to do another bond measure for just water in November, and it totally failed. So to me, there's a little bit of a lesson learned there about how we can put forward Recreation items in concert with the environmental policy that they're really closely connected to, we can we can maybe achieve more than each side going it alone. So I'm I'm hopeful that we can find more ways to connect advancing outdoor recreation and um, combating climate change in the
0: state. I love it. John Snyder, Senior Policy Advisor for Governor Jay Inslee. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I, I really appreciate your time.
1: Drew, thanks so much, and I uh, appreciate everybody listening, and I um, hope, hope you guys have a great winter out there. hope you get dumped on with snow. Good snow, fluffy snow, warm we'll t- snow.
0: We'll take snow, ice, as long as it's cold. I'm into it. Um, that's really the plan. Outdoor States is a production of Pale Morning Media, theme music by Chicky Stoltz.